Hi, welcome back to the Fuse Show, everybody. My name is Bud. I am Chief of Staff at Exfusion.io and co-host of the Fuse Show. I am excited to be joined today by my guest, Ivan Barajas Vargas. Ivan is the CEO and co-founder of MOOCTest. He is a computer systems engineer and holds an MBA from uh, UNC Keenan Flagler, where his specialization was strategy and entrepreneurship. Ivan is passionate about startups, strategy, and solving problems. He has advised and participated in a handful of startups and is the co-founder of MOOCTest, a no-code test automation acceleration platform. Ivan, it's awesome for you to be on the show, buddy. Thanks for being on. Thank you. Thank you a lot for the invite and thank you everyone for watching this, this video and this podcast. Yeah, yeah so I want to start off um, just talking about MOOC and, and how you got your name, MOOCTest. Uh, this is fascinating to me. Uh, MOOC is the Mayan word for empowerment, uh, if I'm not mistaken. That took me an awful long time to figure out. Uh, so there there has to be a story there. Um, were you empowering yourself? Are you empowering your customers? Like what? How did you come up with this name? Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to figure this out. That's a good initial question. So, so yeah, what happened there is, uh, well, I'm originally from Mexico. So when my co-founder and me, we started talking about the startups and we had some ideas to launch and we <laughs> wanted to have a connection to our roots. So we wanted to select a, an Aztec or a Mayan word that kind of uh, explained what we were trying to, to achieve with the MOOC Labs. The company is MOOC Labs and we have created a software MOOC test. So after reviewing different, different words, we, we like MOOC because, as you said, it's empowerment. And right now, uh, we are working to empower software development teams to be more innovative and go to market faster. So, so yeah, we like the work because it's empowerment and we empower software development teams to, to go faster to market with more quality. Okay. So that's, that's very cool. I mean, that, that word just fascinated me. And like I said, it took me forever to figure that one out. Um, cause that, that word actually has meanings in several different languages. And, and I finally, I finally came across it, yeah. uh, in, in the Mayan and I'm like, okay, <laughs> there we go. Actually, um, it's funny because, uh, when we were doing that research, uh, we, we liked another couple of, uh, words. So we selected like three words, top words. There was one that we liked a lot, but when we looked in Google for, for that word, that was uh, uh, a bad word in, in Sweden or something oh, no. like that. So, <laughs> so yeah, we didn't want to use that one. It was like kind of, it was not the, the nicest of the words in, in Sweden. So we went with MOOC. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, good call. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. All right, so you explained you explained a little bit um, about what MOOC does or MOOC test. So let's, let's kind of get a little more into that. Um, because again, I, I looked I looked this up, um, codeless software testing. Um, I'm still not exactly sure what this does and and what pain point this hits. So let's let's get into a, a little bit more about what exactly this is doing for people. Okay, yeah, sure, sure, good question. So what happens is, uh, I mean, every software that we use uh, in even if it is in a smartphone or a web application, uh, the software gets developed by software developers 
and then it needs to be tested before we use the software. So what the software development teams do is uh, initially when they are small, they test it manually totally. At some point, they start growing and they, they need to hire uh, manual testers to test the software manually. Uh, and some teams hire test automation engineers, which are software developers. They need to code right. scripts to test the software. That's called automation. When some scripts are coded to test the software automatically, let's say that uh, you want to test uh, as Amazon. I mean, everyone knows Amazon. So you want to test. So if they are automating, they could hire, they, they have thousands, I guess, of test automation engineers that create the scripts coding to automate, to, to test the critical parts of Amazon every time uh, they go to production, which they do several times per day. So that needs to be automated. Uh, so what happens is then they have two options, the companies doing tests manually, developers or manual testers, or hiring uh, test automation engineers, which are software developers, and there are not many, so it's difficult for the companies. So what Muktes does is to, to enable any company to create test automation super fast because it's a no-code uh, platform. Anyone in the company, let's say uh, a manual QA, a project manager, product manager, they can use Muktes to use their software and we will analyze the software and create automated tests based on the learnings so basically, we enable anyone to be a super test automation engineer, even they don't know how to code, uh, more or less. Or do you want me to go deeper on something? Yeah. No, no, that's fine. That actually, that actually helps quite a bit. Yeah. If you want to go for further into it, you can. Um, but that actually helps quite a bit. So it's it, it's a big deal. I I'm gathering that you can do this without having to go into the code, mm -hmm. correct? Correct. Like, so, yeah. So how, explain to me how, um, how you've been able to, to build this without having to be able to go into the code. Cause that's all over your website. No code, you know, testing. Yeah. Um, so on the back end, uh -huh. how have you been able to do that? Yeah. So for us, uh, we base all of the learnings on the web application HTML. So every every application that uh, has a web interface, uh, actually, if you are right now on internet uh, in, in your browser, you can go and, and look at uh, source code. So I mean, anyone in the call can go and, and go to if you're in Chrome, view developer, view source. So that's that's some kind of code that is creating the web page uh, that we are seeing the web application. So what we do is we work with that code which is public. So we analyze that uh, source code that that is uh, HTML, uh, and we use we analyze it. And depending on what the users are doing in every every step, we we analyze what they did. We match it with the code. And we create the scripts that that replicate what the user does uh, without the need of the user. So basically, we track what the users do uh, and match that with uh, what happened in the code. 
and we generate the scripts based on that, which uh, the next time that a user, let's go again to the Amazon example, uh, let's say that uh, I'm testing that I can add a certain book, let's say uh, a software engineering book to my card mm -hmm. and then buy it. So if I'm a manual tester, I have to do that manually every time. If I use MoveTest, I do it once and MoveTest will generate a script automatically that the next time that I want to run the test, I just click play and that, that sequence will be run in seconds instead of me having to do everything manually. More or less. Yeah. Nice. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. No, great job. So is this something that you were doing before and you're like, man, I'm, I'm tired of doing this. So you created Moop test or it, like where, what was the, the genesis of, of you solving this problem? Yeah, uh, so yeah, that's, that's a pretty good question because actually me and my co-founder, Renan, uh, I was working as a software QA architect for one uh, large enterprise, and he was working as a software development architect in another large enterprise. And when we talk about problems we were seeing, we saw how slow it was to do testing and how expensive we were architects and managers. It was super expensive to get testing and automation. So we decided to get together and brainstorm how to, to make it easier. So the answer is yes. Uh, both of us, we're seeing the, the problems in our companies and we decided to, to talk about how to, to fix this in a, in a more efficient way and using the latest developments on AI. Nice. So you saw a problem wanted to fix it you're like let's just let's go for it um so it says it says on your linkedin that you're you're still working for that big company is that true um are, are you still with with emc no i, or, I left uh, i left 2019 yeah early 2019 okay so i have been working two years and a half uh, full-time in Mubdes. yeah full-time okay yeah I was wondering if you were just working there to help supplement uh, Mook Test, or or if you went went ahead and, and went full in on 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 Mook Test, and um, good for you. Now you you have tried you've dipped your toe into entrepreneurship before, correct? Like you've you've um, started some other businesses. What do you think is the difference with Mook Test? Why do you think Mook Test is the one that has caught and stayed? as compared to some of your other ventures? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I launched another three or four. One is still alive, uh, but it's not related to software. But I think the difference is, uh, and actually with my co-founder, we tested uh, other, other three startups uh, and we got some progress, but then we decided they were not the, the right uh, startup to, to focus on. And what happened is, and I don't know that now, I mean, they say that hindsight is not good, right? But in hindsight, I don't know why we never focus on what we were doing at the time in our companies, the specialty we had. So I think something that happened to us is we knew we wanted to be entrepreneurs and launch a, a startup. We were identifying problems and trying to solve them. But at the beginning, we were focusing on industries that we were not experts at 
And uh, okay. we had to learn a lot in order to understand the problem and the solution better. So when we got to the MOOCTES idea uh, and we started working on that, it was easier for us because those were problems we were seeing. So we were basically the first customer interview because we were leaving those problems. And when we were talking to potential customers or users, we were able to understand their language, their language because we were experts in this area. So the others, well, in summary, is the others were not in my area of expertise, and it was going to take longer, a longer learning curve to get to a good state to understand problems and solutions. And when we focused on MOOCs, it was something we we knew software engineering, so mm -hmm. it was easier to to understand the the problems and potential solutions. Mm -hmm. Sure, sure, and I mean, there's obviously. A, a bit of passion there for you. I mean, like you, you like to talk about this, you like to do something about it. So, I mean, that's, that's always a big help, mm -hmm. you know, when, when you have a passion for solving the problem that you're, that you're working on. Um, so I mean, good for you guys. <clears throat> um, so you started off as, as a boy down in, I asked you this before and I just want to make sure I get it right to Calitlan, Mexico. Right now, that's that's fairly far south down. Um, if if I, my memory serves me right, it's just directly west of Mexico City. Um, you make the you grew up there. You make the transition all the way up to Raleigh, North Carolina. I mean, that's that's quite a that's quite a trip. So, kind of walk me through your your boyhood years. And, and what made you go all the way from, you know, deep down Mexico, all the way up to the, the East coast in, in America to come to work or go to school or, or whatever that transition was. Yeah. And we good Spanish, by the way, you said it, you said it well, <laughs> the Cali plan. Yeah. <laughs> Thank so, you. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, yeah. I was born in this, in this, uh, small town of 16,000 people. Uh, in the west coast of Jalisco state. Uh, Jalisco is one of the largest states in, in, in Mexico. Uh, pretty close to Jalisco's uh, main city is called Guadalajara, which is one of the largest cities in mm -hmm. Mexico. So we were like hour and a half from Guadalajara. So yeah, I was born there. I did, uh, I did my elementary school there. And close to middle school, and uh, we had to move to the big city, to Guadalajara, my, my parents and, and me and my siblings, uh, because uh, my par my father used to work in a sugar factory, in a sugar mill that was like the economy in that small town, and they had to close. So when they closed, we were pushed to move to the big city to, to continue, I mean, for my father to get a, a job and, and, and we... And we, uh, so we could, I mean, so we could have a, a, a home and everything. So we had to move there. And actually, I mean, it's one of those things that when that happened, it was kind of a tragedy because my parents didn't want to leave the town and everyone was happy there, but we had to move to Guadalajara. But at the end, it was, um, it was a, a move that changed uh, our lives because I was able to go to a 
pretty good engineering school there later where nice. I learned computer science. Uh, my brother and my sister as well, they were able to go to college there. If we had stayed uh, in the small town, it would have been more difficult. So uh, from there, uh, I studied computer science there in Guadalajara, in Iteso is called the school. Uh, then I moved to Monterrey, uh, in Monterrey City in Mexico, which is another of the largest cities in Mexico to work as a software engineer for a company that was giving services to EMC. Uh, so I was kind of a consultant for EMC. Uh, and after a while, uh, I, I got offered a promotion uh, to move to US and I took the promotion. Uh, and in 2011, I moved here to Raleigh, North Carolina to work for EMC and also to study a, a MBA. That was my goal in moving here because I knew that here uh, North Carolina, in the Raleigh area, we uh, we had three great schools for business. So I decided to go to UNC King of Lagler and study my MBA there. And and yeah, so I studied there. I got I got uh, I got connected with the entrepreneurial scene here, uh, talking to startups, advising some startups. And at the end, uh, at the end of the program, I decided I wanted to to launch a business. Uh, and that's when I started working on different startup ideas, which uh, at the end of the other four, uh, it became Muktes in 2019. So yeah, that's the long story short. Yeah. Well, nice. <clears throat> I mean, that's a that's a good journey. And that was you, you kind of answered some of my other questions there because when I was when I was doing some research on Tacalatlan uh, there. Um, it's it's kind of like the the town that that I live in. It's just my town's about fifteen and a half thousand, and and it's kind of a rural town with with not a lot of techie, much of anything. Yeah. You know, there's there's lots of cattle, and and there's you know there's not as much um, mariachi mm. as there is in Tecalitlan, but um, it's it's just not it's just not very conducive to, uh, you know, tech yeah. learning. Um, there's it's becoming more prevalent but uh I was, I was just very interested in how that all took place so that's that's a great story yeah and actually yeah um, you said mariachi yeah actually the the Calitlan is known for the best mariachi in the world so you got that one right uh, and actually my last the mariachi is called mariachi vargas and uh, my second last name is vargas because uh, my my great-grandfather was kind of second cousin of the founder of the mariachi, so I have some relationship there, but pretty small, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, but do, you, do you sing mariachi? I don't, I don't play any instrument, unfortunately. Uh, I don't do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so so the, the, apple, the apple did fall a little far yeah. from the tree there, huh? Yeah. <laughs> but also, yeah, you, you mentioned also, like, the, there is not a a techie uh, environment there and that's totally true actually one of my of my ideas as, as i keep advancing my career is uh, try trying to help that i mean now tech tech jobs mm -hmm. can be done remotely from anywhere so i'm thinking sure. about uh, helping on that in that in that town uh, maybe some kind of uh, code school or not code school 
to help uh, to help anyone to create uh, applications and testing them. I'm thinking uh, about uh, doing something there to to help grow the tech scene uh, and, and give more opportunities. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, we, uh, you know, we hire from all over, and I think that's one of the great, great things about this industry is you don't have to be, you know, from anywhere necessarily to be working in this arena. You know, you can be, I mean, from absolutely anywhere in the world as long as you have a connection, and I think that's awesome. So. Yeah, more power to you, man. If you can get that going, um, you know, my my kids, if they can get a job where they can work yeah. uh, from anywhere and and have the ability to to make more money than I did and not have to work as hard as there's nothing wrong with hard work, mind you, but uh, they don't have to kill themselves uh, yeah. doing what I did. Then I, I think that's fantastic. So. Um, yeah. Awesome. So you were, you were saying that after you, after you went to, uh, up to Raleigh and you went to school and got your MBA, you kind of got interested in, in the entrepreneur scene up there. That is not necessarily one of those places where I think is, is a huge like software entrepreneurial scene. You know, usually if you think software entrepreneurial scenes, you think, Obviously, you know, Silicon Valley, you think down kind of, well, even here in Colorado, you think like Boulder or, or Denver area, um, you think down Austin, that kind of area. Um, what does that scene look like, uh, over there in, in the Raleigh area? That's not one that I'm familiar with being conducive to, you know, software startups. Yeah, actually it has been growing a lot is the. A lot of people call it the Raleigh-Durham uh, area because uh, Durham is also pretty pretty close to Raleigh and a, a, a good quantity of startups in, in both cities. Uh, and also you have Chapel Hill, which is uh, where the University of North Carolina is. So the three towns, mm -hmm. uh, Raleigh, Durham, and Chapel Hill are pretty close together. Um, each of these towns, they have top universities, uh, NC State, uh, UNC Chapel Hill, Duke. So that has fueled the growth of the startup scene in the area because there is great talent. Uh, the last couple of years, uh, I have seen the, the growth of that. We have a, a couple of unicorns already here uh, in the area, like uh, Pendo, for example. Uh, and before that, I mean, so that's now like uh, a lot of interest in the area because of the talent and uh, the startup scene is growing. But also part of this is that uh, in the 70s, 80s, it was called Research Triangle Park. So the RTP area uh, had a lot of uh, companies, uh, IBM, Cisco. Uh, they had big operations here. A lot of those, a lot of products were created here for IBM, Cisco, uh, Red Hat is two blocks from here, from where I am. So I think it's like a well-kept secret that uh, yeah. it's starting to get, uh, uh, to get uh, known. Uh, but uh, there has always been entrepreneurship here. 
And the last couple of years, he has been growing more uh, in high-tech startups. Uh, and yeah, it's I think from the second tier of series of entrepreneurship, Rally is one of the top. And when I say second tier, is just behind the, the top tier, which is New York, Boston, and San Francisco, right? The Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. So in the second tier, it might be pretty close to, to Boulder and uh, growing as fast as Austin as well. So... Nice. But yeah, it's not that known, but it's uh, it's picking up a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Good deal. So, with with what you're doing and what you're solving, what are you finding is one of your biggest pain points so far since you started? You know, 2019. You you're a little over two and a half years in. Mm -hmm. What are you finding is one of your biggest pain points? You've been able to to you know get some money now. Um, you're, you've been head down, working hard. What have, what have you found is one of your pain points, your, your biggest pain point? Yeah, right now for us is, uh, I mean, yeah. So <clears throat> we, have, we have developed a, a commercial product that is already in the market with paying customers. Uh, mm -hmm. But we have learned a lot from, the, from this customer's usage. We have learned a lot. And uh, we have identified different pain points that we can solve. Uh, and right now, that's so many things. So one of the pain points is how to pick properly the, the one game changer that we have identified, I mean, let's say three game changers. And uh, so one of the big pain points is how to go about those three in the roadmap, like make the right decisions about uh, which of these ones should be built first, which second and which in third place. So, so yeah, it's a lot of, uh, thinking and analysis of data to, to make the right decisions in the, in the roadmap, because we have been learning a lot from the usage of the product and, and who uses it, uh, how they solve their problems and automation, what problems they have after automation. So, so yeah, basically it's, uh, being able to to pick the right order of the game changers we are building, so we got to yeah, so so we are more efficient on, on getting to them. Gotcha. Um, you know, ha having said that, like, how long did it take you to get that initial product out? How long did it take you to get your MVP? made and out something that was really viable <clears throat> yeah that's a, that's a good question so it took us close to eight months to get to one mvp and then one year to get to the commercial version so we could say like a six to eight months to get an mvp that we were getting feedback from there that mvp we were already doing trials so, so people were using them but mm -hmm. we were not confident to I'm not confident, but we didn't want to charge to charge for it because we were learning a lot. And uh, at some point, we say, "Okay, the product is robust. We know we are solving a problem. Let's start charging. This will be a commercial version." Uh, and that was in in February of uh, last year. So we have been like over 18 months with a commercial product. So yeah, so it took us six to eight months, the MVP, and then. Uh, 
uh, around one year to get to a commercial version. Nice. All right. And um, as far as like leadership goes, so now you've, you've been the co-founder and CEO of this for two and a half years or a little over. Yeah. Um, at your other job, you were manager, you know, uh, systems technical strategy manager, you were group lead. You've, you've kind of been in leadership for several years now. Um, what in your mind makes, makes for a good leader and, and how do you plan on using that to, to help catapult MOOC tests going forward? Yeah, I think, uh, some of the leaders that I admire, uh, they, one of the best things is uh, lead by example. That's a classic, a classic, mm -hmm. but uh, still super valid, right? So I think uh, you can you cannot uh, you cannot try to lead or or manage a team, which is different lead and manage. But you cannot manage if you are not leaving the the values that you are predicating or that you want to put in the in the company. One of the best books in culture that I have read, uh, it's called, uh, what you do is what you, what you, what you are is what you do. Uh, or is the opposite. What you do, what you do is what you are. So it's from, uh, it's from, uh, Ben Horowitz. So basically that book, what says is uh, at the end, the culture of companies, which is related to leadership, the culture of companies depends a lot on the values of the founders and the values of the executive team and how they live those values. So we can say that uh, certain company wants to, to follow five values, but if no one in the company is living those values, uh, that won't happen. Right. So coming back to the initial point, lead by example, <laughs> lead by example with values, lead by example with, uh, anything that is your leadership style, uh, Lead by example and also be compassionate as well. Like, uh, it's not just business. Uh, everyone is a person. Every, everyone is, uh, uh, everyone is a person, right? So it's not business like in the past that it was just trying to get production done. So yeah. I would say those two for, for me, uh, I follow the leaders that I like, uh, they have those kind of uh, values and uh, statements. One is, uh, yeah, one is uh, totally compassionate leadership, and the other one is uh, uh, lead by example. Nice. That is such a change in just the the way that that businesses in general have been going over the last, you know, I mean, several years, but really over the last probably five or six years is, is really the compassion piece, um, towards their employees and the way that you see businesses treating their employees. Um, but it really kicked into overdrive with, um, COVID and the pandemic businesses had to change the way that they, they saw their employees and, and saw how they were actually people and not just numbers or um just things you know to be part of the business that, that their employees were actually you know 
people that had feelings and emotions. And it, it's really been amazing to me how, how businesses have kind of done a 180 on, on how they're treating their people now. Um, especially in, in the tech and, and software world, you know, I mean, it's just cause they don't have them in, in house anymore, you know? So they, they're like, okay, we have to figure out how, how to have these people that are working remotely and, and, and figure out how we can treat them like people and love on them and just be there for them. And it's just been a, such a paradigm shift in the way that we, that we just treat each other. There's, you can talk about the way that we treat people outside of work, you know, but the way the businesses have been treating their people has, has been awesome. I think. Yeah. I think it's and, an evolution. Goes, in, exactly. It's, it's an evolution in most of the businesses. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't think everyone is there yet, but at least you no. can see, you can see the trend that, uh, yeah. things are improving in that sense, uh, at least, at least in the developed world. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Sure. But it, it is going towards that way. Mm -hmm. And I mean, if you, if you go back and listen to, to a lot of these shows that we're doing, that's, that's definitely the trend that you're seeing is people are like, man, we just, we really appreciate our people. And, and we've realized that they're just people, you know, and it's awesome. So, I mean, good for you. I, I really, I like that answer. Um, thank you. Yeah. So you've been, you've been doing this for, for a while now. What advice would you give to yourself? If you could go back 10 years, uh, 10, 15 years, what would you say to yourself? So if I go back right now, 10 years, or if I go, yep. okay. If I go back, yeah. so 10 years, uh, it would take me, okay. 2011. That's when actually when I moved here, so that's perfect timing. And actually, it was in October, ten years ago. I, it's ten years oh, since nice. I'm in the US, so that's a perfect, <laughs> nice, a perfect question, perfect timing. Uh, I think. Uh, um, yeah, I, I, I haven't, I haven't talked about that one, but uh, maybe something that I learned at, at that point, I was not good at. I, I'm not good at maybe not. Not, 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 uh, not now, but at least I, I learned about the value of networking. So, uh, when I came here, um, I disliked networking. You could say like, I didn't like, uh, I felt it was empty. It was a uh, sales or trying just to. But I was, I misunderstood it. So then I, I started doing some networking. Uh, so yeah, let me recapitulate. So when I came here, I didn't know the value of networking. I was, I didn't understand it. And I felt it was those cold trying to sell. And a lot of people do it that way. But also I mm -hmm. learned that, uh, that uh, you could do value networking help help someone and at some point maybe you need some help or some support and they might help you so what i would say the advice would be 
yeah, don't be afraid of networking. It's not cold hearted networking. Uh, do value networking, give value to the community you are, to everyone you know, and, and start to creating a network and try to help people. And networking can be can be good over time. Uh, it's not uh, a cold activity. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's that's another thing that I've I found talking to founders is is networking is super important um especially you know just if you have a question uh founders especially in today's um economy and and just the way that that things are founders are more than willing to talk to other founders because they want other founders to succeed you know if you succeed then i succeed if i succeed then they can succeed you know and and they love networking and just helping each other. So, um, great answer. Uh, we're gonna be running out of time here soon. So I wanna get down to the last couple questions that I ask everybody on this show. Uh, number one is what advice would you give to founders or soon to be founders that are gonna be watching this program? Yeah, I think uh, definitely talk to customers in a, uh... Learn how to talk to customers and talk to them before you build something. Talk to your potential customers, users. If you are a B2B, talk at least to 50. If you are a B2C, at least 100. So learn how to talk to them. There is a good book called uh, The Mom Test. So I every, every time that someone tells me, I want to launch this idea, I, told them, I tell them, go and check this book and talk to 50 people and then come back. Uh, so yeah, talk to 50 people at least uh, and learn how to talk to them because you don't need to pitch your, your idea. You need to learn what problem they are trying to solve. So that would be the, my advice. Yeah. Thanks. And then what is the best way for our viewers to get in touch with you if they so choose? Yeah. Yeah. Send me an email, uh, Ivan at mobilabs.com. Uh, I still reply most of the emails, all of the emails. I still reply them. Uh, so, so yeah, send me an email, Ivan at booklabs.com. Yeah. And that is M-U-U-K-L-A-B-S. Correct. Yep. Right on. Ivan, thank you so much for being on the show, my friend. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. Uh, yeah, it was, it was great. Uh, pretty good questions. Um, and yeah, anyone that wants to talk startups or something, just shoot me an email. Thanks for the invite, Bob.